This is Heartstock Radio. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Today, we have a guest that I'm uh, pretty excited about. Well, I'm, I'm excited about all our guests, honestly speaking. But this one in particular really resonates with me. It's Melissa Hinkle, and she is with Unify Manufacturing. In just a moment, she's going to tell us all about what she is up to. Remember, you can email us at heartstockradio at gmail.com, and you can find us also on social media where we post our upcoming shows and all kinds of other fun things. This is Heartstock. I'm Carol Murphy. Clark Grant is in the studio. Thanks for listening. You're tuned in to Heartstock Radio. I'm Carol Murphy, your host. Today, our guest is Melissa Hinkle, and she is, her official title, Director of Brand Sales at Unify Manufacturing, Inc. Hi, Melissa. How are you today? Hey, Carol. I'm good. How are you? A little a little chilly, but in a good sort of way. Uh, we've gotten uh, some decent snowfall. We're in kind of a, a drought. And where are you speaking with us from? I am in Greensboro, North Carolina, and it has been in the 60s the past couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> well, the skiers were disappointed because that's where we were. <laughs> it seemed off and on throughout the winter. And now it is really piling up in, in a very good sort of way because we need that moisture. Can you give our listeners an intro here? What is Unify? Well, thanks again for having me, and it's great to talk to you and talk to everyone. Unify Manufacturing, Inc. is a manufacturer of synthetic yarns. So what that means is we make polyester, nylon, and you might not know that much about those yarns, but they are everywhere. What you're wearing, what you're driving, in your car, what you're sitting on in your house, what you're what sleeping in your bed. Polyester is the most used and manufactured fiber in the world, as much as all the other yarns combined. So we're in the textile space and we are trying to push sustainability in textiles by making these yarns from recycled materials. Yeah, and I'm really anxious to hear your take on this because as we all know we're in a bit of a plastics controversy these days there's a lot of debate about the issues of plastics and I have to divulge here that our previous guest is your sister (laughs) and um, we had a little we had a little conversation about how you guys grew up so I don't want to spill the beans, but please tell us a little bit about your background and, and why that may have influenced what you're doing today. Well, I'm glad you got to talk to my sister because it's really interesting how we both ended up in sustainability. She's just more on the agricultural side, and I'm more on the man-made synthetic side of the sustainability spectrum. Hopefully, between two of us as a whole, we're helping the world in positive ways as much as we can, we try. But what really influenced me, my background, 
uh, I think it started just where I grew up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which some of you might be familiar with being called Amish country. And our family background goes all the way back to the 1600s in Lancaster. And we actually had a traditional family background that was Mennonite, so traditional farmers, similar to Amish, no electricity, horse and buggy, all of that. My sister and I didn't grow up like that. My father was the first in his family just to be more, just to be modern. But all around us, you have this, all this beautiful farmland. You have, you're living amongst people living totally differently from you. They're still living like they're in the 1600s. You go to Target and there's a place to park your car. There's also a place beside you to park your horse and buggy. So we grew up really appreciating people, all different people, all different backgrounds, all different ways of life. We also grew up appreciating nature and farms because that time period when we were kids, our hometown was transitioning to becoming a big metropolitan mid-Atlantic suburban town and all these farmlands were converting to buildings and strip malls and sky rises and really sad to see. So we grew up with this appreciation of people and planet. And then I got into textiles through working at Haynes Brands, working on the Champion Athletic brand and really seeing more the impact of textiles on our environment because it's one of the biggest items in our landfills today. And that has really been spurred by like fast fashion. And I got to see all of that firsthand. So when I heard about Unify and what Unify was doing to try to recycle textiles made from recycled materials and try to work with big companies to make a big impact, I knew I wanted to deep dive into that. You know, I'm wondering if our average listener really understands or knows what fast fashion is and why it's why is it so bad? <laughs> <laughs> so fast fashion is buying clothes that traditionally are will be lower quality that are really trendy and the trend uh goes away the next season and so you're throwing away clothes to buy new ones and a lot more faster speed than ever has before because the history of textiles has been more, you know, some my parents might've grown up, you kind of wore hand-me-down clothes, like what your older siblings wore, for instance, or you just had something for a long time. You had a smaller closet of less items. That's not the case today just because of fashion and maybe social media and influencers and the next trend and the ability to order things online and get things faster in two days and return for free like the Amazon model. This has really spurred a consume a lot and throw away a lot. Yeah. And just like you said before, since synthetic fibers are so prolific and you know, majority of what we wear and use 
this is having a, a an impact on the environment. You know, we've touched upon this before in previous episodes, and I don't want to spend too awful much time on this whole issue of you know what is it doing to the environment and maybe we can touch upon it by just asking the question, what is the mission of Unify? So our mission is for the good of tomorrow. We are trying to figure out today how we can keep getting better every day, more sustainable than the day before and push the sustainability journey and bring all these brands along with us to make a positive global impact on the environment. We were founded in 1971. In the 90s, we started recycling all of our own waste in our factories. We have four factories in North Carolina. And through this recycling to be landfill-free, and this really was spurred with globalization and trying to reduce costs by recycling our own materials, uh, we had our first recycled polyester. Our first recycled polyester was made from yard waste of our manufacturing waste of regular polyester. And we didn't think anyone would be interested in recycled polyester because there's a mindset, and this was in the 90s before sustainability was popular, that something recycled was a lower quality because it's already used before. And that's not the case for everything that's sustainable and everything that's recycled. It doesn't mean you're giving up something to help the environment. We have found through innovation you can be both sustainable, you can be both techie, you can be both first quality. You don't have to give anything up. So that is how we've been able to get a lot of brands on board. For instance, Nike. Nike is one of the largest users of our recycled reprieve polyester. And you know a brand like that where they have athletes on the field wearing uniforms, they need first quality. That's their number one priority. And also sustainability at the same time big bonus there. Our recycled polyester, when we started, made from our recycled waste. We couldn't make enough of that to keep up with demand. So we had to go find another recycled material to make our yarn from. And that's where we got into post-consumer recycled plastic bottles. And since we kind of innovated that in the early 2000s, in 2007, we launched that yarn into the market. and. From 2007 to 2017, we recycled 10 billion bottles. So 10 years, 10 billion. From 2017 to spring of 2020, we recycled 20 billion. So we doubled our business in the past couple of years of what took us 10 years to do. And that's just the trajectory of sustainability. Ultimately, our mission statement for the good of tomorrow, what can we do next? There's a lot of innovation in circularity where we want textiles to stay in textiles. So how we first founded Reprieve, made from our recycled waste, how can we make Reprieve in the future made from recycled text? So Reprieve is the fabric or the yarn? The yarn. And the yarn is made from 100% post-consumer recycled plastic bottles. So that's the raw material we use to make the yarn. And how we do that is, We have one factory in Reedsville, North Carolina, that's our bottle processing plant. We have 70 million bottles a week come through this plant, and they come in in squished squares that have been crunched together. All these bottles, they weigh 1,000 pounds of bottles, and we crush it all up. We sort the bottle by color, 
we remove labels, caps, chop everything up into small pieces, wash everything because it's post-consumer. So there's like soda in there and all that other stuff. And then we have small pieces of plastic, which is called flake. This gets melted into a little ball, like the size of a nerd candy. And then it goes through our yarn manufacturing machine called a spinneret. And that looks like a shower head that has a lot of holes in it. And the balls at the top get melted, go through the spinneret, get shot with cold air, and they get solidified into these strings of yarn. That kind of leads to the next question, which is who are your customers? So then Nike takes that yarn and your other customers take the yarn and what do they do with it? The yarn is a one-for-one sub to regular polyester. So if you have a shirt that's made 100% from polyester, it's your Nike athletic shirt, that can be 100% reprieve, recycled polyester, and you wouldn't know the difference. The difference is really just the footprint. It's so much better for the environment. One, because it's made from recycled materials instead of virgin materials. And two... The footprint is actually a lot better. There's 45% less energy consumed in the manufacturing process, 20% water saved, and 30% less greenhouse gas emissions. The big brands using Reprieve today are all over the place in terms of what industry. So it's not just the outdoor space where you think the outdoor industry is really big into it because their consumer is outside and cares about sustainability. It is across the board. So in the athletic space, Nike is the leader. They have recycled over 1 billion bottles with Reprieve. And there's Under Armour is a big user of Reprieve as well. Also, Target is one of our other leaders. So now we're getting more into the big retail space. And Target is over a billion bottles recycled as well. Then there's Haynes Brands, Walmart, PVH, and bank stores like IKEA. And also in fast fashion, we do work with H&M. They're a large volume user of Reprieve as well. And then in the furniture space, there's like Williams-Sonoma, Pottery Barn, West Elm. So it's really exciting across the board, the brands we work with. Even Automotive, Ford, and GM are big Reprieve in their Cards. We're at about that halfway point. We're going to take a quick music break, and in just a moment, we will be back and um, learn more about Unify and the work that Melissa's doing there. This is Heartstock. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Today, our guest is Melissa Hinkle, and she is with Unify. We were just talking about your manufacturing process, uh, creating polyester yarn for fabric that is created from plastic bottles. Now, this is where we could really get into the nitty gritty, but I have to bring this up because of this whole controversy around polyesters, plastics, plastics in general. NPR just did a big program, kind of investigative journalism. Laura Sullivan did some of this work talking about plastics and the 
well, the bill of goods <laughs> that we were sold about recycling, how it's just not realistic. So how have you been able to defeat the naysayers who, who essentially have claimed that plastics recycling is a failure? And the main reason it's a failure is because it's so expensive to create anything recycled from plastic. And there's so many different kinds of plastics. You can't just, it's not like aluminum where you can just mix it all together and recreate recycled aluminum. And plastic is not like this. How have you been able to achieve not only being able to to do it in the first place, but to actually do it cheaply or less expensively? Well, one of our first goals was how do we make the polyester we're making the textile industry more sustainable and a better footprint and a better impact on the environment. When we did go to recycled plastic bottles after using our own yarn waste, so that's free waste that we had that we can make recycled polyester, plastic bottles we have to buy because they are post-consumer so when you put your bottles curbside to get collected, that gets collected by a private company, takes it to a municipal recycling facility, sorts all your recyclables, plastics, aluminum, paper, and sells those off. So they all have value. What the regular polyester is made from is crude oil. Our recycled polyester may be made from bottles. Oil is very volatile in terms of pricing every day, up and down, gets crazier each year in terms of the uh, just all the price changes. Plastic bottles is a really consistent pricing structure because we unfortunately have more plastic every day. More plastic is being made. Once plastic is made, it's on the earth for a lifetime. So we almost have infinite supply. We have more supply than every day. We can use a a raw material versus we're making regular polyester, that crude oil, prices change every day, and we have less of it on the planet every day. From a costing aspect, I wonder if in the future, plastic bottles will even be cheaper and the raw material to instead of oil, who knows? But we know our sustainable fiber is more expensive than commodity polyester. We had a price in that expense of buying the plastic bottles. But we know sustainability is, that's our number one goal. Brands might have to pay more for it, but their impact on the environment is a lot less. And that should be everyone's goal as a whole. And it's still been really successful considering all the brands using it today. And we've recycled over 24 billion bottles. Are there special features in the factory itself that helps to keep the cost down? Um, our whole process is mechanical versus a chemical process. And, you know, that could always add cost too, because you're just trying to do everything without adding any chemicals or taking any shortcuts. But we really work on innovation. What's the right machine to have? What's the right manufacturing process? How do we keep the highest quality and being efficient, really focusing on innovation and leading with innovation has really helped 
our business model and help our company be successful. I think I read something about solar panels and I imagine that really helps with efficiency because there's got to be huge energy demands to create the the fibers, I would think. Yeah, we do have a solar field that helps power our plant. So there's all these different metrics that and technology we use in manufacturing, mainly to just continue to be more sustainable because that solar field is one way in the right direction, we can just be more sustainable as a company, including our factory still being landfill free today. And even our transportation system, because we're bringing in raw materials, plastic and we're sending out yarn, we're supplying yarn all over the world. We have really efficient trucking and transportation and mapping and supply arrangements that helps cut down on costs, but also is better for the environment because you're reducing your carbon footprint. And how about COVID? <laughs> how How is that impacting you guys? We have been nonstop and even ramping up due to COVID. While textile manufacturing might have gone down, people stopped making jeans because stores were closed. The PPE market ramped up. And we have right in to help support the equipment, gowns, medical supplies. We could supply our yarn into those end uses. So our factories have been working nonstop, 24-7, around the clock, with only a couple days off during Christmas to help the PPE and get protective equipment out there during COVID. Yeah, and I would think that any kind of offshore manufacturing has become less re- reliable because of COVID. So I could I could see that being being a strong impetus to increase demand. Is that is that true? We are seeing a lot of shifts in global footprint of companies especially the big companies that we work with that do most of the global volume in textiles, different different strategies in terms of when there was tariffs on China, how brands reacted to that and where they shifted their manufacturing. We do see a trend coming back to this hemisphere, to the United States. And we're really excited because, you know, we have factories in North Carolina, we're founded here. We kept U.S. manufacturing here while a lot of people went overseas. And we support a lot of the manufacturing mills across the country. So we're happy to see it come back. And we hope innovation, manufacturing, and more business continues to grow in the U.S. And how about the future? What, what lays ahead? There's so many questions that I have around this because uh, we all know that at some point oil is going to run out, but even more in in the short term, what, what does the company have planned? The future is circularity. We want to shift into making our recycled polyester from post-consumer clothes. I want you to be able to put your shirt that you're done using 
are wearing. Maybe there's a hole in it. It's just old. I want you to be able to throw it in the recycling bin. And that's one of the products that gets sorted out at the municipal recycling facility and gets sent to us as we make yarn from that. We are running trials and we have run some programs to date since 2009 on making recycled yarn from recycled fabrics and products. And that's something we're growing because we want textiles to always stay in textiles and never go to landfill. How much is consumer demand also impacting your company? It seems that um, there's a lot of pressure being put on the big brands, and most of what they're doing is in response to what uh, customers now know, you know, and hopefully this program is helping to spread the word on that. To uh, today, the heightened awareness of sustainability and the consumer push for brands to be more sustainable is so strong than, and stronger than ever before. And this was really accelerated because of COVID. When everyone was outside more, you care more about the outdoors. You couldn't go anywhere else, so you're taking walks around your neighborhood all the time, for instance. You're hiking, you're doing all these outdoor activities because that was our own option. Cities are seeing smog-free for the first time. People are seeing uh, fish in, like, the rivers for the first time because it was always, like, too cloudy and full pollution. We have seen that governments can take action. Things can come to a stop. Our footprint can drastically decrease, and we can adjust. So consumers are demanding we can't go back to how we were. We need to be better for the environment. We need to be better for people. We need to be better for our communities. Sustainability is a big aspect of this. It's also a positive message where people want to hear a lot of positivity coming out of COVID. So brands can talk about something exciting. Like, hey, we are part of reducing plastic or we are part of reducing our footprint or saving water, keeping your skies clear and engaging with people in that conversation. So we are seeing a big push, a lot of positive changes coming out of 2020 into 2021 and the future is going to keep growing. We've got about a half a minute left here. How can folks find you and learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, check us out on social media, online, Reprieve, spelled R-E-P-R-E-V-E, Instagram, LinkedIn, our website, and so forth. We'd be glad to engage with you all. And if you're interested in just seeing what products out there have Reprieve or what brands are sustainable, there's a lot of things on our website that you can find just more information to learn about some of the products that you might be wearing or some of the brands you buy from. Fantastic. Thank you so much for the work you're doing and for being on Heartstock. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Carol. It's great speaking to you and have a great day. Mm-hmm. We've been talking with Melissa Hinkle from Unify. This is Heartstock. We shall see you next week. Peace. Peace. 
Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. As I went walking, I saw a sign.